My name is Noah McGraw. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. How is it that they're still using the same tactics of fear and intimidation? They want to scare you because they don't want you to recognize the powerhouse that you are. They want you to be afraid. They don't want you to stand up and be strong. They don't want you to stand in the midst of adversity and say, regardless of what one individual does, we're not going to use that to go backwards. We're going to use that as a catalyst to go forward. And because they know they can't stop you, once you get that in your mind, they use that social media thing to try to scare you and make you feel like you got to run for the hills. But I got news. They're the cowards. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. My name is Emerson Malone. I am a writer for the Daily Emerald. With me here in the studio is Noah McGraw. Hey. And Andy Field. So, as we all know, the Emerald website has been down sporadically, so we're going to bring you the biggest stories from this week today. First, we'll talk about the number of rallies that have taken place on campus this past week following the election last Tuesday. And also, several U of O students have filed complaints against Taylor's Bar and Grill about their receipt being slightly steeper than they expected. Um, Noah and Andy, what can you tell me about the rallies that we've seen on campus this week? Who's hosting these and what are the issues that are driving them? Well, the uh, rallies started uh, the night of the election and uh, actually the, you know, that Tuesday night the results were coming in around like 10 p.m. that it was looking like Trump was going to win. And um, a bunch of students just started walking around campus. And uh, we talked to some of the people who started it. And they were saying that uh, they just got out because everybody was really angry. And they just kind of wanted to vent. So they were walking around playing that. Uh, Trump, YG. Yeah, YG. And uh, we, we, all, all, we all know the song. Yeah, we all know. And then uh, a bunch of people just started uh, joining them. And sort of then some people had signs. And then by the end of the night, there were hundreds of people walking up and down. They started at the EMU. They walked around campus a little bit, started going down 13th and went uh, downtown. Then I think they circled back to the EMU and started speaking sort of about where to go from here. Right, right at the amphitheater pretty mm-hmm. late that night. I remember talking about reconvening the following day. And it's mm-hmm. it's been a nearly daily occurrence. Yeah, yeah. Since then, and almost always centered around the amphitheater. They always start there or end there. There was uh, several um, on Wednesday, like the next day, about 500 uh, high school students from South Eugene High School all just walked out of their classes and all ended up at the amphitheater at the EMU talking about that. And they were joined by hundreds of UO students, too. That was a big one that then, and then ended up circling around to downtown again and going to the courthouse there. Then, uh, yeah, since then, there have been several rallies. The Black Student Union had a rally somewhat related to the election and uh, events that have happened on campus recently. And then, um, you know, downtown, there's been more that have been less related to the university, but have still come down that almost every single day for the past week. There was a demonstration related to Planned Parenthood at the courthouse, right? Mm-hmm. There was a Planned Parenthood solidarity one, and I think they came to U of O, but I'm not positive. And then just last Wednesday this week, there was the walkout, which turned out to sort of be a 
solidarity thing for turning U of O into a campus sanctuary. I think Andy was going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, the sanctuary campus. Yeah, certainly. Uh, they all made demands during the rally, including making demands for the undocumented students. The students called for the university to refuse to share all voluntary information on its undocumented um, immigrants with Immigration and Customs Enforcement and Customs and Border Protection, CB, CBP, and refused to grant access to ICE members to property owned by the university and forbid campus police from recording a student's immigration status or enforcing immigration laws. And they also, you know, called for the university to increase the acceptance of undocumented students and to provide them with financial aid. So that was like the, the, the main um, demands they made in line with the other, more than 40 other universities, which um, the Sanctuary Campus basically based on that. But they also made a bunch of other demands too. So Sanctuary Campus is not just a U of O thing. It's taking place on other yeah, college campuses. Yeah, more than 40 um, universities around the nation. Yeah, but, you know, the students also made other demands. Uh, they also talked about the Dakota Access Pipeline. They want to protect, protect its indigenous community here at the UO. And they also made a demand to divest from any investments towards the Dakota Access Pipeline. They also demanded that the, the university must provide its students to complete the cost of their travel and resources to join Stam Standing Rock, um, to, go to, the, to join the Sioux. And, and water protectors and fighting against the construction of DAPL. And they also demanded that the university increase acceptance of Native and Indigenous students. Um, there was a lot of demands, actually. They also, you know, Trump has been saying he wants to ban all Muslims from entering the U.S. They also made demands based on protecting the Muslim community. You know, they want increased funding for the Muslim Student Center, increased acceptance of Muslim international students, must increase acceptance of Palestinian students and Syrian students must welcome students regardless of citizenship status. And they also made other demands, you know, on LGBT. So it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a whole bunch of stuff. It is interesting to see these different groups react to the Tuesday night's results. Yeah. And respectively feel threatened in their own way. And, and make demands um, based on them right. as a response. They're still developing very unique demands, which are unique to our, our campus community. I believe these were demands that a bunch of the other universities were doing and I've, I have asked the organizers you know where where these demands are because I, I can't I can't find them online but uh, I, f I believe they're coordinating with some kind of some organizers and other schools to, to make this make these demands so we're at the end of week eight right now do do we think we're gonna see more of these rallies take place on campus through the term I think they're dying down a little bit but it's been two strong weeks of near daily protests and I think the campus is ready to react if something does happen. So if some new thing comes out, Donald Trump makes a speech that infuriates anyone or causes any controversy, I think we'll no doubt see another response. Uh, people are organizing these protests and then ha they're happening like either day of or next day. So people are paying attention and they're ready. And it's I an think, immediate response. Yeah, so I, I think people are ready to show when they disagree with something and we're, we're likely to see those, but maybe just sort of as issues come along, and I don't know if there are any more planned. Andy, you covered the Black Student Union rally. Yeah. To what, to what degree was that a reaction to the, uh, I can't remember which night it was, when three high schoolers were documented, they were filmed on campus wearing blackface. Was that brought up during the rally? Oh, certainly. It definitely was. Um, I think, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they made it clear that the big part of the event, in the beginning, they all stood up and said, uh, set all the demands that are left. So basically in 2015, during the whole Missouri campus protests, 
um, Mizzou, right? Yeah, Mizzou, University of Missouri. Um, they kind of stood in solidarity with them and had this huge rally, probably the biggest I've ever seen since you know reporting with the Emerald. Um, uh, like 500 students, uh, they filled the whole streets in front of Johnson Hall, and it resulted in this list of demands, 12 of them. The purpose was to let black students, the black student community at the U of O, uh, feel more included on campus. There's still seven unmet demands. And so in this rally day, this rally that happened on um, on Friday, they made it clear that, you know, they're still waiting on the results. Um, they actually gave a lot of them, a lot of the demands were, had fall 2016, this so this term, implementation um, deadlines. And um, they all stood up and, and said the demands left. And they said, they all ended each, each demand they read out, they said, and I stand in solidarity with my uh, black brothers and sisters until this demand is met. So they made that very clear, but they also addressed the clim- the campus climate, the recent events, the net Professor Nancy shirts, uh, the the blackface at a private party, the three students who came to campus, three teenagers, not students. One of them is a student at South Eugene High School. They addressed that, and I think it was you know much of it was hey we've made these demands and look what's happened. Look look at this campus climate. So this is why we need these these demands. So of the demands they made, how many were recognized by school administration? They've filled five of the demands. Yeah. Uh, looking at them now, they uh, they created an African American opportunities program, and uh, they uh, have the Black Student Leadership Task Force. They're doing stuff with. Uh, seminars and workshops to bring uh, black history and contemporary black issues to campus. And then um, they changed the fraternity and sorority life uh, baseline standards. And so out of that, there's still the seven remaining that they haven't reached with are are things like uh, making ethnic studies 101 a graduate requirement. Um, They still haven't renamed Dede Hall yet, which is the number one demand and actually on the list it says Dee Dee Hall will be the first building to be renamed when they've actually renamed Dunn but they haven't renamed Dee Dee yet so I just learned this week that Dee Dee was apparently a pallbearer at Lincoln's funeral wow I didn't know that I'll edit that out if that's wrong (laughs) but that's what I heard (laughs) okay let's change gears we've got like five minutes Um, what Taylor's yes Taylor's is really getting dragged through the mud this term. Uh, last night, a story broke around 9.30 p.m. about accusations made against tailors repeatedly overcharging their customers. Noah, what's the story? What's going on? This is a story that kind of came out of the blue, and uh, I've really enjoyed following as it was going on. Jack Pitcher worked on this one almost exclusively, but he was kept, kept on sending me updates of all the people who are very excited to talk about how they've been overcharged by Taylor's. So basically the story is you, you go to Taylor's, any bar, you know, you open up a tab uh, or you pay with your card and then they give you a receipt and you sign it and you write in a tip uh, and you can write in nothing if you want. And then they take those receipts and they tally up at the end and they charge you for those and they add in the tip that you've written. Well, apparently at Taylor's they disregard whatever tip you've put in and add a few extra dollars to it. And we had uh, came to us through a tweet where somebody tweeted out a picture of their receipt where they had charged no tip and uh, paid the tip in cash. And then they had taken a picture of their bank transaction history and they had charged them, uh, I think it was $1.50 more than what they had put on. And uh, they tagged the Daily Emerald in the tweet and we contacted them and 
under the tweet, there were a bunch of comments that were like, oh yeah, this happens to me too. This happens to me. This happens to me a couple times a month or I stopped going to Taylor's because of this. And right. Yeah. In the, in the article, Jack cites some Yelp reviews of people reviewing Taylor's and saying like they overcharged my debit card twice in a row and I'm not going back. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Like to slowly uncover these, there was the Yelp reviews. There's a Facebook review from like 2014 that talked about it. I know in the in the article that you can see online, there's a couple of photographs where people have taken pictures of their tip and then, or one uh, woman had, she has all of her charges sent to her phone. So it'll like say, Taylor's just charged you this amount for some item. And then she has all those texts from her account and then she shows her transaction history and it's a few dollars more. So... Then we even had a mother who uh, went and she said her daughter was complaining about this. So when she was in town, she went there and charged no tip to see if Taylor's would add one and they added one. So I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Apparently the EPD is looking into the into the bar because it's such a phenomena. And since we posted the story last, I checked, there were like 40 comments on the Facebook page and a majority of them were people saying, oh yeah, it happens to me all the time. Or people saying, I knew this was a thing. I'm not, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't that drunk and I remembered not tipping or whatever, but yeah, it was a pretty amazing reaction. So the general manager is also quoted, Eric Clark. He says it's purely just the 20% gratuity whenever tabs are left open. Yeah, because apparently if... uh a lot of people don't know that if you leave a tab open and you just leave a bar without closing your tab, they add a 20% gratuity usually um, on purpose. And you can see the signs that'll say that in the bar. But it seems like that's a very specific case that's not applicable to all of these. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, I definitely closed my tab or I didn't open a tab kind of thing. So do you want to get into the other story that broke about Taylor's this term? Oh, yeah. I mean, Taylor's is having a rough time. Register Guard broke a story a while ago about how they had a bartender accused of drugging multiple women's drinks. Actually, the same woman was dr- said she was drugged twice. So they're under investigation for that. Big deal. That's just an allegation so far. They haven't come out with anything. Then the GTFF, the Graduate Teaching Fed- uh, Fellows Federation, came out with a public statement condemning the actions of Taylor's, and they wanted President Schill to address what that drugging drinks is assault they wanted him to say that and to post around campus uh so that people like get the word out that you know obviously this isn't okay kind of thing but yeah that combined with uh the overcharging thing makes about the the two news desk uh highest read stories are both about taylor's taylor's and being shady stuff going on so do we think shill is gonna formally make a response to this is that even is there even a precedent for that I don't know. I think in the context of their letter, they wanted him to address the students and saying, like, drugging drinks is assault. But obviously, he has nothing to do with what actions Taylor's does or doesn't. I think it was more about if Taylor's does this and it's a bar that a lot of people go to and uh, if people are going to that bar and associating that with, like, okay, maybe it's okay or maybe it's not such a big deal that these girls got their drinks drugged. Like, uh, they wanted him to step out and say, yes, it is a big deal and address the campus that way. But in terms of the actual actions of Taylor's, I don't see how the president has much to do with that. All right. Thank you, guys. That's all we have time for today. Uh, That's Andy Field. That's Noah McGraw over there. I'm Emerson Malone. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. To hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, visit Daily Emerald or subscribe to Emerald Podcasts on iTunes. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you.